Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now, prepare your heart for a message from God's Word. So our theme this year is Believe. And really it comes to this, this point right here is that because Jesus came and because of our belief in him, we can really believe him for anything, that God can do anything in our lives. He can change any situation. But today we're going to talk about how we play a part in Christmas, how we have a part in helping others come to belief in Jesus. And today I've titled the message, Be a Bringer. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, Be a Bringer. Be a bringer. You think about how you came to church. Maybe some of you came because you got a mailer, but they say that 80% of people who have accepted Christ as their savior, who put their belief, put their faith in him, did so because someone brought them to church, invited them and brought them to church. And so over uh, the course of today, we're just going to talk a little bit how we can become bringers, how God wants us to not just... uh, Really, I I call it kind of be like a spiritual sponge where we just soak everything up from God and never, never give anything away. That he wants us to give what we've been given away to others. At our church, you'll hear more about this as we continue to to grow, (coughs) excuse me, and continue to reach out and do things in the community. But you're going to hear more about the one campaign. And the one campaign is simply this, is that we believe that everyone can reach someone. Everyone can reach someone. A lot of times you go to church and there's all this pressure like, you know, that you have to like witness to everyone at your entire workplace that, you know, that, hey, you need to bring your entire neighborhood. And what we want to do is say, let's really keep it simple. If there's one person, I think everyone in this room could say, hey, I know one person who really could use an experience with God, who really could come to church, who doesn't know Christ in the way that I do, and I know that they need that hope, I know that they're hurting, and that if, if, if you concentrate for one whole year, so for one year, you focus on one person, one family, and say, you know what, I'm gonna focus on this family. They need God, they really need what I've been receiving here and what I've been given from God, and so I'm gonna be very intentional with my life to reach out to them, to invite them, to bring them. Once they come, I'm gonna follow up with them. I'm gonna continue to invite them. I'm gonna continue to include them in my life. I'm gonna be intentional about reaching out. And so throughout the year, we're always gonna have what we'll call one events. And so when we have an event like Maurice Claret, we'll say, hey, this is a one event. This is the event that is gonna be very easy for you to invite someone to. Uh, bring them, we're gonna do something special that day. This is a, a very introductory day. We're not gonna do anything too fancy. We just wanna introduce people to Jesus. And so I really want you to begin to pray about that and what it means for you to be a bringer, what it means for you to really reach out with your life to say, who's one person? That relieves the pressure, just one family maybe. Uh, maybe one person at your workplace say, you know what? I know that, that God's given me relationship with them. He's given me influence with them. And I'm going to use that to influence them for Christ. In the Bible, in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, there were some men who really understood the importance of not just inviting, not just you know even telling people about Jesus, but actually bringing people to Jesus, understood what it took to do that. You can follow along with me in the Adventure Church app today. The notes will be in there and on the screen as well. But let's read together in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 
through 12, it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. So at this point, Jesus in the previous chapter had already been performing a lot of miracles, okay? And so he's kind of getting this celebrity status. He kind of has this entourage. The paparazzi are beginning to, to follow him around. They want to see him do this stuff. A lot of them actually were coming just to see him kind of like perform tricks. They're like, show us how you did that last time. Can you heal this person? So the word is spreading about him. And so it says, Jesus went to this area. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. So it's overflowing out the doors of this house. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him, bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then, then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law, the ones who were sitting there who thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. See, at this point, the religious people didn't know that he was the Messiah. They didn't receive him as the Messiah. So Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed, praising God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. What an awesome picture of one, of Jesus' love, of his compassion. I always think about that, that if someone were to walk in here right now, Jesus had a full crowd, they're packed out the door, and they can't get them in, and so all of a sudden, the ceiling starts falling apart. The ceiling in this time was made of thatch. It was like mud, like this real thick weed that they would put on, and so it wasn't just in, in these like bricks that they would kind of cover it with, these tiles. So it was a very, you know, disturbance that was going on. It was loud. It was stuff was falling in on them. And so Jesus stops in the middle of his message. And so today, if something like that happened, I'd be looking in the back like, hey, call someone, like security, like they're dropping someone in the ceiling. But Jesus stops in the middle of all that and tells the guy, wow, look at the faith of these guys. You know, they couldn't get in the door. So they went up on the roof. They're dropping this guy in. Man, your faith is awesome. He said, get up, your, your, your sins are forgiven. That Jesus had compassion like that. That's the kind of guy that he was. That's the kind of God that he is. But today I really wanna focus on these four men that the Bible doesn't even give a name to that really were the difference makers. Obviously Christ is the one who performed the miracle. Christ is the one who said, had the authority to forgive the sins of this man. We can't change anyone. We don't have the power to, to forgive anyone's of their sins, but Jesus does. But, but let's focus on the ones who actually were the ones who brought this man to Jesus. What are some characteristics? What are some things that we can pull and learn from these guys for us to be bringers like they were? The first one is this, is that we need to be aware of those hurting around us. We need to be aware of the people who are hurting around us. I have conversations all the time. I don't have a, a church office uh, so I, I work at Starbucks, I work at the library, and I actually like it because it forces me outside of my own bubble to where I can kind of isolate myself. I've worked at churches before where I've had offices and there was lots of employees, it was a larger church, and I just, I'm constantly just around other Christians. I didn't, I don't have, the, I didn't have the ability to, to hang out with people who were lost, who were hurting. 
and who were away from God. And so it gives me the opportunity when I'm at Starbucks, wherever it is, to have conversations. You know, the, the baristas and the baristas, they all know me now. You know, they're always like, hey, how's it going? How's the church? I'm always inviting them, talking to them. And I'll have conversations with people. And maybe it's just because I'm a pastor, but I don't think so. I think probably the people at your, your workplace do the same thing. That when you really are, are, you stop enough to really listen to someone and to talk to someone about what's going on in their life, that you find out that a lot of people are really hurting, that there's a lot of stuff going on in their life, that there's stuff behind closed doors that maybe you don't even know about, but there's people all around us, and we really don't have to look far for that, but there's people who are hurting and need Jesus. Again, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 4, later on in the Gospel of Luke, 16 through 19, it says, he came to Nazareth, so he's traveling around where he had been brought up. And as was the custom, he entered the synagogue, the church, and on the Sabbath, he stood up to read, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So he's reading some of the Old Testament, and they opened the book, and this is, the, this is what Jesus read. This was prophecy. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Gospel means the good news of Jesus. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. People are hurting and they need hope. Jesus said, look, this is why I came. This was the sole purpose. God sent me to release those who are oppressed, to to set free those who are held captive, to help those who are hurting. But oftentimes we get so busy, we talked about it in our last series of the Your Christmas Vacation, that the chaos of Christmas, that we get so busy, that we get so wrapped up in our own stuff, in our own parties, in our own family, and all that stuff that we forget to just stop and take a look around us to see that everywhere you go, there's an opportunity to reach out to people who are hurting. And the Bible says that God has given us hope, that he's given us good news Think about the news we watch all the time on TV. There's constantly bad news, bad news all the time. It's it's constant. You can't get away from it. But we have good news for people. But news has to be talked about. It has to be shared. You can't, if you just turned on the TV and the newscasters just sat there and had a look on their face, right? Nothing's ever going to happen. You have to share the good news. That's why Jesus came. I think about this time of year, you know, for a lot of us, it's joyous, it's fun, or family, and all the stuff that goes on in Christmas, you know, the song is, it's the most wonderful time of the year. But for many people, it's not so wonderful. Many people, the holidays just remind them of, of past memories and past hurts and, and the, the, the lost loved one, for maybe it's the first Christmas that they're not here this year, and that there's lots of people who, it's not so wonderful, and we don't ever know it, though, unless we engage them and talk to them. You know, I was watching the news, you know, a few weeks ago, and they were doing a special on suicide awareness because it's, it's becoming more rampant in, in even junior high schools. The kids are, are taking their own lives in high school and all that stuff. And so I kind of was, was curious to look at it. But, but over 30,000 Americans just in America die every year because of suicide taking their own life. And you think about what a person has to get to in that point in their life to say, you know what, there's no hope. They find their situation so hopeless that they say the only way out is to end it, just to get out of it, to escape it altogether. And all, all, all around us, there's people who are, are battling these things, are battling issues in their life, and they're hurting. 
Jesus is the hope of the world. We should be dealers of hope, giving hope out to people, letting people know no matter what your situation is, God loves you. He came for you. Christmas is all about Jesus. He came for you. He came to share the good news. Jesus said himself in Luke 4 that he came to set the captives free, to release those who were oppressed. But Jesus is gone now, and he's given us the responsibility to be people who are bringers, bringers of hope to those who need God. These four men stopped whatever they were doing to provide hope for the hopeless. This man was paralyzed. He was a beggar. He had no way of getting to where Jesus was, no way of getting there. And they were on their way to see Jesus, and they said, you know what? This guy needs Jesus way more than I do. They stopped to provide hope for this man. And they didn't just stop there. So once we know that and are aware and, and kind of put on our antennas that, that, that there's people around us that are, are, are hurting and we become aware of that and, and reach out to those needs, second thing we need to do is we have to then make a commitment to be a bringer. We have to make a commitment to that. We have to make a choice again. God gives us free will choice to choose whatever we want. We can have all the good news that we want, but we got to make a commitment to share it and to bring people. You think about this paralyzed man. Again, he had no way of getting to Jesus on his own. No way. He was paralyzed. Physically could not move. Physically could not get to where Jesus was. So these men had to make a commitment to be a bringer to him. They had to put him on a cot and four guys had to carry him. We don't know how far, We don't know all the details of the story, but we know that they went out of their way. They made a commitment to that man who couldn't get to Jesus on his own to be a bringer. You say, well, Kyle, people, you know, aren't aren't paralyzed. You know, they have the ability to walk in here, you know, and even nowadays they they have wheelchairs. They got this, they got that. They could get a ride. Like, we don't have to do that. But, But people nowadays aren't necessarily physically paralyzed when it comes to church. But let me tell you this, just from my own relationships, and many of you probably do the same thing, many people are paralyzed with shame. They're so shameful of their past and what's happened that they think, I can't go to a church. I can't walk into that place. I don't, you know, they're not going to accept me. They're not going to receive me. God doesn't want to, to know me like that. If God, God knows everything I've done, right? So, so why would he want me to come? So they're shameful. So they're paralyzed, but in shame. They're paralyzed in fear. They're paralyzed in condemnation, that, that people are just going to condemn them. I'll tell you something. The reason we came and established this church is because we want to be different. We want to be a church that says, you know what? It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what issues you have. You are welcome here. There's a place for you here that people can come just as they are. And our people all around us are afraid of this. And the enemy has lied to them and he's filled their head with these lies that if I go to church, people will judge and reject me. But it really, it's the opposite. It better be, especially of our church, that no, it's not. That, that Jesus commanded us to love and accept people. Not to judge and reject, but to love and accept. Jesus said that he's the only one who's righteous. He's the only one who's never sinned. And so he's the only one who has the authority to judge anyone. And guess what? Throughout scripture, Jesus never judged anybody. He never pushed anyone away. He welcomed the lepers. He welcomed the prostitutes. He welcomed the the tax collectors, the, the sinners of all sinners. Jesus welcomed them. The religious people, the ones who judged and reject, hated Jesus because it said, look at him. You can read throughout the the gospel. He's always hanging around with those sinners. Jesus 
why he came. The whole reason of Christmas is because he has a desire to love and accept people. But the only way these people who are paralyzed in shame and fear and and the unknown and and condemnation and, and have been rejected by other churches. I've been at churches before. I could tell you story after story of old saints, people who have been serving God a long time. I worked at a church, a large church, had a, uh, an older segment of the congregation that someone had been in the church for, the, for a long time, and they came in one day, and someone who didn't look like them, who was lost, who needed God in a bad way, was sitting in their seat. And instead of them saying, oh, so glad that you're here today, and sitting next to them, they said, um, excuse me, you may not know this, but that's my seat that you're in. And the lady got up, walked out of the church and never came back. People have had terrible experiences with churches all the time. They have a bad taste in their mouth and they're not gonna come from a mailer. We just sent out 25,000 mailers this week inviting people in. Some of you are here because you got a mailer from our launch. We're gonna do those things. We're gonna invest in those. They work. There's, there's advertising, there's marketing strategy. But again, 80% of people come to church because someone invites them and someone brings them because they know you they trust you, and you say, come with me. Come with me. I'm telling you, this place is different. They'll accept you. They'll love you just as you are. But we have to commit to be bringers to make that happen. We have a core value of action at our church, that we want everyone in our church to be active, that God is a God of action, acting. He came. Jesus came. He lived. He died for us. He sent his spirit for us. He's empowered us. But in, in order to really fully be who God wants us to be, it can't just be our own commitment to God and church. It has to be our commitment to bring others into that relationship as well. You know, you think about if 80% of people come if someone invites them, I would say that 100% of people come if someone actually brings them, right? If you actually bring them with you, physically say, hey, you can come with me. I'm, invi- I'm just inviting you, I'm gonna bring you. And the reason is this, is that if we become bringers, they can become believers. That's it. We become bringers. We bring them so that then they can meet Jesus and they can become believers. We become bringers. They become believers. That's what Christmas is all about. So my challenge to you is when you leave today, we have invite cards for you to hand out, to invite people. Again, we've done a very, very, very intentional with Christmas Eve and and with Maurice Claret, the invite card is there that you invite everyone, okay? So you can commit to that. Hey, I'm gonna invite everyone. I can hand out cards all day at work, at the grocery store, whatever it is. It's a real knock on. Hey, did you see the 30 for 30? Oh yeah, you did, check it out, come to church. It's that easy, okay? Do I need to give an illustration on how you can invite someone with a card? that help anyone today? Uh, okay, you guys get that. So, so we can do that, invite everyone, but then let's bring someone. Invite everyone, but bring someone. Bring someone with you to that. So these men were committed to be a bringer. The man physically could not get to Jesus on his own. We're surrounded by people who are hurting, who will not come through these doors on their own unless someone brings them, unless you bring them. And so in order for that to happen, though, we have to have this whatever it takes mentality that these men had. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes. So again, let's, let's paint this picture. These men picked up this paralyzed man. They put him on a cot. So four guys have each have a corner. They're carrying this man. Who knows how far they come? They get to church, and the, it's too crowded for them to get in. I don't know about you, but if that was me, I'd have been like, well, we tried, buddy. Sorry, man. Like, 
I did it. I carried you. I'm sweating. I don't even have Nikes. I got sandals on, right? It's dirty out here, right? You're kind of heavy. You know, you know, maybe you shouldn't eat so much. Where'd you get all that food? You know, whatever the situation's happening, right? And they get there and, hey, maybe, maybe, hey, we'll just sit you here. Maybe on the way out, you might be able to catch him. I don't know, right? That, they didn't stop there. They were willing to get him all the way to Jesus. They knew how bad he needed Jesus. So they said, you know what? We can't get in the front door, but th- these houses weren't made very well. I think we can get you in through the roof. So they climb up on a roof with this guy. So there's four of them. I don't know how they got him up there. He's paralyzed. You know, he's dead weight. They're trying to lift him up. They get him up on the roof. Then once they even get him up on the roof, they got to tear this roof apart. They're digging through mud and branches and, and tile to get this. They, they cut the hole open big enough that they can actually lower the man down. So then they had to have some kind of rope, some kind of harness to lower this man down. Then they lower him down to get him to Jesus. That's whatever it takes. That's a whatever it takes mentality. It wasn't easy. It took energy. It took effort. It took commitment. It took dedication from these men. Many of us, when we invite someone, we go, hey, I invited them, you know, send them a Facebook message, quick text, you know. Sorry, Kyle, really tried, man. They just, they didn't want to come. We're not, we don't have to actually even physically carry them into church. But I'm asking you to kind of have that whatever it takes mentality to where, you know, maybe you say, hey, you know what, you come to church with me, I'll buy your lunch afterwards. I'll take you to lunch. You need a ride? I'll come over and pick you up. You got crazy kids? Hey, you can check them in online before you ever get there. Make it real easy. I'll take you through the whole process. I bring my kids every week. They love it. You know, it's a, it's a great place for them. You get some time. Whatever it takes. These men were willing to do whatever it takes. We don't have to climb the roof of North Point next week. I promise you that. You're not going to have to fight through a crowd. You might. I don't know how many people are going to come next week. And that, you know, I wanted to encourage you to, one, get here early next week. We're going to have as many chairs as we can fit in here. Uh, again, we invited a lot of people, uh, but, so we don't know exactly how many are going to come. We're going to be prepared for some overflow. But even in that, next week, if, if, if it gets really crowded, the whatever it takes mentality so people can come to Jesus, maybe you're willing to say, you know what, all you need a seat, you can have mine. You're new this week, you know what, I'll, I'll stand. Hey, come on over here. You got kids. Oh. Yeah, come on, sit down and take my seat. The whatever it takes mentality, being hospitable to people, welcoming people. I don't think you're, again, you're not going to have to literally carry someone, but what is the effort that it's going to take for you to get someone here, to be committed, to be a bringer, doing whatever it takes to, again, bring people to Jesus. This time of year, more people are open to God, to, to salvation, to hope than any other time of the year. It's all around them. They're hearing about Christmas. I've told you before, it's the Christers. You know, they come out on Christmas and Easter. People come to church on Christmas and Easter. It's more cultural than anything else. So maybe they won't come to Maurice Claret. Maybe they're a Michigan fan, okay? Whatever it is. Maybe they're a Hurricanes fan. You know, whatever the case is, but maybe they'll come to Christmas Eve. Hey, it's Christmas Eve. Come be a part of this. People are open to it, but we have to be the ones to bring them to Jesus, to bring them, to go out of our way, to be doing, willing to do whatever it takes to say, you know what, I'm going to bring someone. I'm going to do my part in doing that. And here's why. Because the fourth thing is this, is that you're not just bringing them to church. You're bringing them to Jesus. You're not just bringing them to a place. You're bringing them to a person. These men brought him to Jesus. When Jesus encountered this man, 
He healed him. One, he said, son, Jesus addressed him as son. So right away, he included him in his family. He said, child, son. He said, what great faith you have. Your sins are forgiven. Then the religious people get all upset. I can't believe this. Who does he think he is? Forgiving people, blah, blah, blah. Then it goes on. Jesus said, okay, I'll, I'll make it a little bit easier. Stand up and walk. So Jesus forgave him of his sin. Then he healed him of what had him paralyzed, what kept him from coming to Jesus. They weren't just bringing him to a place. They were bringing him to a person. Next week, you're going to hear Maurice's story. And, and what the 30 for 30 film didn't share was is that the, the, the change that's happened in Maurice's life is because someone brought him to Jesus. Someone introduced him to not a place, but a person who could change his situation. Maurice had a very difficult life. It was very challenging. He was doing the only thing he knew to do until... Someone said, hey, here's some hope, man. You don't have to deal drugs. You don't have to be bound in addiction. God can set you free. And God has so changed Maurice that he said, you know what? I'm dedicating my life now to telling others what God has done for me. He travels to churches now. He travels to schools and encourages people. But someone had to bring him to Jesus. We're not just bringing them to church. Next week, you're not just going to, oh, it's cool, you get to meet Maurice Collette and, and get a picture signed by him and get a picture with him. No, we're going to tell people what changed Maurice's life. Then we're going to give other people an opportunity to say, Jesus is here. Someone brought you to Jesus today. Let me make the introduction for you. This is Jesus. He loves you. He'll forgive you. He can change your life. He can set you free. Welcome. We introduce them to Jesus. And at that point, once we do our part, then God gets to do his part. Then it's up to God. We can't change anyone. You can't change anyone. You may invite someone. You may bring someone. Every week, we give people an opportunity to respond to God. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. That's not our responsibility. That's between them and God. But our job is to bring them to a place. Bring them to a person that can change their life. That's what Christmas is gonna be about. Again, people are more open than ever to come, but we gotta get them here and realize that we're not just bringing them to church, we're bringing them to Jesus. And Jesus, the, the house didn't change that man, the people didn't change the paralyzed man, Jesus did. Jesus has compassion, he has a desire to heal people. He said in Luke, I've come for this very reason, to seek and save those who are lost, to be a dealer of hope, to let people know that they're loved, that they're accepted, and that God can make a difference in their life. We're bringing people to Jesus. What an awesome opportunity we have. What an awesome uh, privilege we really have to to allow people that introduction, to be a part of that. Out of everything that I've done in my life, some of the greatest stories, the greatest successes that I have is not even when I've preached in in, in front of crowds and people come to Jesus. Not not that, the, 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 the greatest success is when I've personally sat down with someone and begin to tell them what Jesus has done in my life and, and how he's changed me and how he's changed my family and that, that he can do the same for them and to see them begin to change, to see God begin to do the work in their life. It's a privilege we have. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, a scripture many of you have probably heard before, Jesus, again, he had already come at this point. He had already been crucified. He had already been resurrected. He'd been hanging around for a little while, talking to the disciples, and these were his parting words before he went to heaven. And before the Holy Spirit came, he said this. So the disciples are there. Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, so Jesus said, hey, look, I'm the authority. I've been given all authority. It's all mine. And here's my commission. My command to you is this, is that then you go and you make disciples, that you become bringers, that you become people who reach out, that are intentional with your life, that you become bringers. And then he said, this is even cool. And when you do that, I am with you always. I'm with you. The Holy Spirit's with you. I will encourage you. I will strengthen you. The Bible says that even when we don't know what to say, that the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. When we do our part, God will do his part. I think I've shared this story with you before, but it was a few months back. Riley uh, was beginning to talk more and more and more, and we, we always have to, you know, Riley's three now, and it's, so it's, it's constant, you know, correction and discipline and trying to get this crazy child to do what she's supposed to do. And so all the time, we have to remind Riley of who the boss is, okay? And so we say that a lot to her, and so we'll go... Riley, you need to do this, and she doesn't listen, and she'll do something else, and she actually will even talk back sometimes, and she'll go, well, I don't want to do that, and we'll go, Riley, who is the boss, and we remind her, and she'll say, well, you're the boss, and so one day, she wasn't doing what she wanted, Jess was in the kitchen doing something, and I was in the living room with her, and I said, and I was trying to get her to do, I can't remember what it was, but I said, Riley, quit doing that, Riley, stop doing that, so about third or fourth time, I said, Riley, look at daddy, who is the boss? And she didn't say anything. I said, Riley, I am the boss. You do what you said. And she said, no, you're not the boss. Mommy's the boss. And I was like, well, you're right. You know, your mom bosses me and I get to boss you. Okay, that's how it works here. But again, I was establishing with her, Riley, you need to listen to what I say because I am your father and I have the authority. You're my child. I have the authority. Maybe your mom has a little bit more but I still have some too. I'm the boss. And we remind her all the time that she's not the boss, that she doesn't get to do what she wants to do because she belongs to me until she's out of my roof, right? We know how that goes. Then she can do whatever she wants. And even then, I'm gonna run her down and make sure she's doing what she's supposed to do because I'm the boss. But a lot of times when we read scripture like this, I mean, these are words in red in your Bible. These are the red words. So that means they were from Jesus himself. And he said, look, I have the authority. So what is he telling us? Hey, Kyle, listen up. Look at me. Look at me. I know you read it. I know you go on through your day. You got a lot to do. Kyle, look at me. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. So go. Be a bringer. Be a dealer of hope. Do those things. We, we, we pass over this like it's optional. Like we have a choice in the matter. But when we say, hey, I am a child of God, that I am a, he is my father, I've given him authority in my life, then he's the boss. We do what he says. And Jesus has commanded us to be a bringer, to reach out to people, to love people. It's not an option that we have. So at our church, what we want to do is we want to be willing to do anything to reach people for Jesus. It's not, as long as it's not illegal, immoral, or sinful, we're going to try it. Sometimes it doesn't work, sometimes it does. We'll see you next week. I don't know. We got church on the go coming up in a couple weeks to give you guys a break, to give you time with your family, to give our volunteers who get here every week at 6.30 in the morning and setting up and doing those things to give them a break over the highs of their family. So we've recorded a whole online experience. It's a new message. It's all done. 
We have no idea if it's going to work. I don't know if you're actually going to tune in that day. I hope that you do. It'll be about 25 minutes long. You can get on there and do that. But we're going to try anything. Who knows who will log in that day? We want to try anything to reach people to Jesus. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus. We have to remember that's what we're bringing them to. Let's not forget what's on the line here for people. Not only is it the hope that they need now to just make it through life. I can't imagine some of the situations I've faced in my own life with with family and and death and, and sick. All those things that I've had to go through that many of us have gone through that you've gone through. If you went through that without hope, with no hope of of that God's with you and that you can make it in a community of people who love you and support you. What what would life be like if I didn't have that hope? And that's what motivates me as a pastor, but what motivates me as a Christian, to love people, that people around you, across the cubicle, across the street, wherever it is, they need hope, guys. They need God so bad. And eternity's on the line for them, not just in this world, but in the life to come. And we can be so easily, I can be, I'm preaching to myself this morning, that we can just pass over this like it's not that big of a deal, but it's a big deal. People need God. They need God to change their situation. And if we don't invite them, they're going to be paralyzed. They can't get to him on their own. They're paralyzed with fear, shame, whatever it is. Something's keeping them back. Otherwise, they'd come. But they need someone, a friend, someone who they trust. Saying what, I'll bring you. I'll carry you if I have to. You need God. Your family needs God. That your situ- you need God. He has hope. He has answers. But we have to be willing to do that. And always remember, it's not just a place. It's not numbers. It's not a crowd. Who cares? I don't care about that stuff. But what I care about is that every week we give people an opportunity to meet Jesus. To make that introduction. And from that part, it's God's deal. So, We're gonna do our part as a church to be a church that's loving and accepting, to put on an experience that will connect and relate to people, to have music that will relate, to do everything we can to be relevant to where they're at. So the message will be very clear that the hope is there for them. And if you do your part and you become a bringer and you bring people to that and and we, we give them that encounter with God, then the Bible says it's up to God to do his part. And with these men, they brought people, not to a not to a place, they brought him to a person. And when, they, when Jesus met him, when Jesus, in the middle of that, he, all the stuff, he could have easily said, hey, I'll deal with you later. I don't have time for this. I got a message to preach. All these people are here. They're all here for me. Jesus stopped in the middle of everything. And he said, hey, man, that's awesome faith. You're forgiven. You're healed. Here's hope for you. Change that man's life. And it may not be in a way today that where they Physically, I stop in the middle of the message and and call them out. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit happens all the time in worship, whenever it is. He begins to minister to people. He begins to touch their heart. They hear a song. They hear a lyric that they sing. And Man, God loves me. He died for me. We lead them to a point where they can meet God. But that doesn't happen unless we're willing to do our part. And Jesus said, I have the authority. I'm the boss. Go. Be a bringer. Bring people. What an awesome privilege we have to partner with God in that and and changing people's lives forever. But we got to make a commitment to do that. Again, we become bringers. They become believers. God changes their life.